0: You're listening to Reading Glasses, a show about book culture and literary life designed to help you read better.
1: I'm writer, filmmaker, and book devourer, Mallory O'Mara. And I'm Bria Grant, actress, filmmaker, and e-reader. This episode, we're discussing being a reader in a non-reader world, and hopefully saving some bookish marriages on our way. Fingers crossed. But first, Bria, what are you reading? So, um, I actually already read this, but I wanted to recommend it because here's... you. It's not the kind of book you're like reading. You read it because it is very short. It is not a. It is not a book you keep oh, reading. Oh, oh. And okay. it is um, John Waters make trouble. His <gasps> was it good? I want to so get great. that so bad. So it, all it is is he. It, not all it is, but it is. Um, he did a uh, commencement sp- speech a comm- at RISD, the Rhode Island. Is that Island where it is? School, I didn't the know the Rhode, Rhode Island it, School where of Design.
0: Which I used to live near. So it's his commencement
1: speech, but then also he drew a bunch of really f- mm, funny and cute little drawings. I love you, John Waters. Uh, drawings. And it's just all about um, being an artist. And, you know, it's so funny because at one point in time, John Waters was so controversial. I know. And now, like, he talks to me, he's like, "My now my stuff is like blase. Like, you know, you guys are doing way more controversial things. And he was, like, supporting that. And he's still doing such cool stuff. Do you remember that he. He hitchhiked across America not that long ago. No, yeah, isn't that crazy? Like you could have picked up John Waters. Anyway, I just think he's amazing. It's I would amazing. encourage anyone who's an artist, especially if you're an artist who's like hitting a brick wall or feeling uh, sad or anything or lonely. I think this is a great book to check out.
0: Mallory, what are you reading? I'm reading uh, The Fact of a Body by Alexandria Marzano Lesnevich. Oh, I heard of it, and it's a an amazing. It's like true 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 crime slash memoir basically it's the story of this guy who murdered this little boy down south many years ago but it was this woman who was working at an intern at a law firm down south that represented people who were sentenced to death and so she heard about this story and she listened to this guy's testimony and she was like yeah you know we're gonna You know, we're going to screw this guy. We're going to kill him. And then she took a step back and she was like, why do I feel this way? Why do I feel so strongly about the death penalty for this man? So she started really looking into the case and started really looking into her own life. And she started discovering some really weird similarities between her life and his life and discovering a bunch of secrets about her family and herself. And it's amazing Fantastic book. Totally recommend it. But it is, it's is—it's
1: not like a, I'm going to feel great on a yes. Sunday afternoon and eat a sandwich. And It's like a dark book. It sounds dark, but it sounds also approachable dark. It's not like you're like, you know, falling oh, yeah. into a black hole of despair. No, 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 no. It's like, you
0: know, good despair. Who is it by? Uh, Alexandria Marzano-Lesnovich, and it's The Fact of a Body. That sounds amazing. You can borrow it. It's really good. You got any bookish news stories?
1: Uh, I do. Um, this week we uh, have a bookish news story from the internet where we get all of our stories because apparently we don't read newspapers. We read a lot of things, but I don't get a hard copy newspaper. I don't know. No, I, you know. I never read the newspaper. Can you imagine paper? scouring a newspaper for a book story? This would be so hard. It would take me forever. Someone I'd would... have to buy so many
0: newspapers. <laughs> I don't have a room for
1: all of that. All right. This story takes place in Reno, Nevada, um, where uh, one particular library, the Washoe County Library, not only are they not banning books that people might normally ban in this library they are stocking up on them which I think is awesome that is so badass so um you know banned books speaking of John John Waters would probably love this John Waters would love this a lot of people want certain books banned from the library. You can ask to have books banned from the library. We're actually going to cover this later in this episode. Where we have a librarian coming on to talk about banned books. But for example, 1984. This article says is a book that has been uh, banned in some libraries. Catching Fire, the second novel in the Hunger Games. Uh, Thirteen Which is reasons, nuts. right? Because of violence. Thirteen Reasons Why it has a, um, a suicide and it's asked asked to be banned. Someone even has asked to ban the Bible at this particular library. They decided they're just going to keep offering banned books. That's so cool. And I want to give this library a the high book. five. Yeah, and they celebrated the banned book list, which is pretty awesome. That like, is amazing. You ask me, their whole idea is that if parents want to filter what their children read, that's great. But the government should not filter what, ch- what children or people read. So their this library in uh Washoe County Washoe County, I'm sure I'm saying that wrong and I totally apologize if you live there. Um it's full filled with racy books politically charged books on both sides of the aisle and all sorts of controversial material. It sounds like the most badass place in the universe. I know, think. seriously. I want to visit this library. I'm imagining all the librarians
0: are in like leather pants and they're all smoking cigarettes
1: <laughs> for some
0: reason. They're all just like super cool. And they're just
1: like, you want you want the you want the weird books? You want the bad books? Yeah, they just slide them across around. the couch. Just look around. <laughs> the, it's all got like
0: really low lighting for some reason. <laughs> You're
1: just like, I'm, I'm just looking for Daniel Steele. I don't understand. (laughs) you're looking for bee trees "Uh." we don't have those we don't have those here (laughs) that's amazing before
0: we solve your problems about being a reader in a non-reader world we're going to take a quick break This week, we're solving a problem that comes up a lot if you're a mega-reader like us. How do you politely read around other people? Yeah. Ugh. Other people.
1: <laughs> Gross. Sometimes people just don't, don't understand. Yeah. They don't, sometimes, look, reading is how I recharge. Same. So, so a lot of times I come home and I don't want to talk. I just want to go up and lay in my bed and read my book and be alone. Yeah. And sometimes
0: people, they don't get that. They want to talk to you while you're reading like a crazy
1: person. (laughs) And then they get they're wondering why they're chopped up in pieces in a dumpster. Yeah. Or if I'm working and people want to come up to me while I'm reading on my break and they say, what are you reading? And I want to tell them, but then I want the conversation to be over. Ugh. Other, so, like, other than
0: getting a giant hat that says "I'm reading," do not freaking talk to me. Do
1: not disturb. Re- <laughs> do, do not disturb the reading.
0: Do not disturb Ooh, the reading. Can we get
1: bags made that say that? D- tote bag. Do not disturb the reading. <laughs>
0: oh my god. Do not disturb this reader. <laughs> I want a T-shirt and a hat and a sign for my apartment. That's amazing. So it, it's uh, other than doing that, you know, we've got some tips for helping you integrate your love of reading into your personal relationships. And
1: we and we want to be really clear about something. We think reading is important. And we think you need to do it, and Absolutely. we're pro you doing it, even when it is when maybe that means you're not being so polite. Maybe you have to tell someone you're reading, and we have a few tips for it. But first, I have a fact for you. Oh yes. Um. So this is just general co reading fact. It's not not alone reading fact. But the most people who have read aloud simultaneously at one location was. 46,660. Oh, my God. I was going to say, like, 37. No. It was in India. It was organized by the Art of Living Foundation at a temple in India in 2014. And um, they recited... Oh, I'm not going to be able to pronounce it. it. It's a poem. Um... And this is uh, – it is a, the foundation itself promotes peace and nonviolence. So this is a good co-reading situation. I know. Where are, are these people? people? I want
0: these people to be my friends. These
1: people are like, you know, they, they're all reading together at the exact same time. This is, this is perfection. That's nirvana right there. So
0: we broke this down into a couple different categories. First one is if you have a significant other – how do you politely integrate your love of reading into your romantic relationship? Or
1: if, oh, what if you're dating someone who's not that into reading and then you have to confess, hey, I'm a really big reader. Maybe yeah. you have to broach that subject.
0: You know, my, my, honestly, my instinct is to make a joke and be like, oh, why would you date someone who wouldn't read? But honestly... It's okay. Reading is a solid, like, I don't want to shame your uh, your your significant other. Reading is a t- solitary thing. I don't think that if you're a big reader, you need to date someone who is a, who's also a big reader. I just don't think that you need to do that. And I don't think that you should force your significant other to read. I don't think you should guilt them into reading. That's a, a, a super important thing. So you need to do that in tandem with being like, hey, I totally respect the fact that you don't like to read, but I do. I need to do this thing.
1: I do think that they should be required to listen to you explain the plots of your books. Though. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> if you, oh, that, that is really the only thing. My my uh, fiancé made the point the other day where I started telling him the plot of the book, and I, this book I was reading, and I was like, it's a dystopian novel, and he's like, you know you don't have to say that. I just I already know it's a dystopian novel. I already know that's what you're <laughs> reading. So just go ahead with the plot beyond the dystopia. We know that's that everyone list.
0: knows that Bria is actually a dystopian YA hero. <laughs>
1: <laughs> we already know that. Okay, so what should we do if you're if you're not reading with your partner? You guys are not—you know—you're not, you know, not going to be looking at the same book at the same, same time and turning the page simultaneously. Actually, me and my boyfriend have done that before. Uh, that's weird. Well, we can't do that because
0: I am a super fast reader, <laughs> and uh, <laughs> uh, we have we have done that. But uh, one of the things. That uh, that I that I I like to do, and come might come up a lot because even it, say that your significant other likes to read, but they don't like to read as much as you do. Because when I say, "Hey, let's read," I'm I'm thinking like, let's sit down for six hours and read an <laughs> entire book. My boyfriend, he when he says, I want to read, he's like, you know, wants to read for a half an hour and then like, you know, do something else. So what we like to do is we like find some sort of time for a solo activity that they like. Because sometimes it's just nice to be, to, my, one of my favorite things in the world is just to read on the couch with my boyfriend also on the couch. But I realize that it doesn't matter what he's doing on his end of the couch. So he could be playing video games, watching hockey, sewing patches on his vest, listening to records. <laughs> sometimes he, you know, maybe he'll he's cooking looking in another room, find like a solo kind of quietish activity and just schedule a block of time to do it together. Because sometimes just doing solo activities
1: together, it's kind of nice. Yeah, I think that is nice. And also we do it, look, you already do this with television where you're both sitting in silence watching the same television show. Yeah. And it's not abnormal and that's something you sort of bond over. Find a similar thing. You guys don't have to be doing the same thing, but you could just be spending time in the same room. Yeah. it's like It's like being a cat. Yeah. It is like being a cat. The cat's not reading, but he likes that you're there. Yep. Be be like a cat and all
0: so and that's during the daytime though. Great. And I would like I'd like to tell our listeners that the story that me and Bria are about to tell her is actually how this podcast came to be <laughs> last
1: year. Because Bria and I both like to read in the middle of the night. Yeah. We both wake up in the middle of the night and I have a- and and read our books. Yes. Yeah. And I have an e-reader, which is not a super big problem. It's because it has a light on it, so I can just open it up and read wherever I am, and I read for about an hour every night, maybe less, maybe more. Hopefully no more because then that means I'm not getting a good night's sleep. And then I wake up and I'm real grumpy the next day. But <laughs> I did get some reading done. So I'm usually pretty happy about that. <laughs> so I, I am a physical reader
0: um, in the way that I, am. I read physical books. And I sleep a lot less than my boyfriend does. So I, I get a book light. And I, the book light that I have has two different brightness settings. So it, I, can, I can adjust the light and really uh, make sure the light is on my book. So that it's not disturbing him or waking him up in any way, so he can just be like asleep in the bed next to me, and I'm reading, and everyone's happy. and so quick story. Bree and I were having this exact conversation about last summer over dinner with a friend a, a mutual friend of ours, and we were discussing I was explaining to her how I read with a book light, and our friend was like, man, you guys should like have a podcast when you talk about like <laughs> totally reader culture and like <laughs> bing, that's how this podcast came. And into here being. we are
1: today, ladies and gentlemen, that here, person. Gets no credit. I'm just (laughs) kidding. We just gave him credit. Jason, we love you. Um, And I think also the thing to remember when reading with a significant other, if you want to read and they don't want to read, there's nothing wrong with saying, you know, I think I'm going to go finish my book. Oh, totally. I do that. Oh, I did that yesterday. And I find that that phrase in particular is the most useful phrase. I'm going to go finish my book. And maybe that means you still have a ways to go or you're starting a new book. But no one has to know that. Just you if if you finish your book feels like you're putting a time limit on it. I think it's great.
0: (laughs) Absolutely. There's no I guess the important part of all of this is a being clear about your your want to read. B just very um, open about it. And don't don't be shy. You know, you are a reader. Embrace that. It's not something to be ashamed about. It's something that you need in your life. Don't ever feel weird about being like, hey, I just want to read right now. And if your significant other loves you, they're going to be okay with that. And whether they're sleeping or playing video games or whatever, it's just a part of your life. And don't be shy about integrating that.
1: So next on the non-reader train is uh, what happens when you have to be around your family and you want to be reading. Yes, sometimes families can
0: complain that you're neglecting family time when you're when you're reading, whether or not you live with them or you're coming to
1: visit or you're maybe you're there just there for a weekend, right? And so we're addressing this obviously from our point point of views as non-parents, view. non-parents who uh, go visit parents. Yes, <laughs> and this is actually not a huge issue for me because I have very readerly uh, parents parents. parents mom and stepdad they read a ton so this is not as big of an issue but i can see how this would be an issue if you are a person who's going home you want to be reading or you have your family in town and you just would rather be spending time with a book what do you do
0: Oh, and also I like to point out I do not have a family. Right, okay. <laughs> and we may not be the best
1: people to so answer this question.
0: <laughs> we're gonna get. we're gonna give you our best our best tips. I do go visit other people's families sometimes. I'm right. very close with the families of uh, my very close friends. And and you know, I remember when I was a kid I used to get yelled at all the time for reading at dinner. And and sometimes, you know, again, reading is super important to you and you wanna do it and you're dealing with family stuff and it's frustrating. But just like with with the significant other thing, you've got to be just clear and open and honest. You like to read. You need to read. Recharging is you time. And maybe trade off. You know, you don't read over dinner or you spend some, spend a couple hours with your family and then you get an hour of uninterrupted reading time.
1: Yeah, I think it's great. And I think as long as you're up like, oh, I'm really into this book I'm reading. Um, It's been so much fun having dinner with you guys. But I'm just going to go read for a little bit before I go to bed. I think, you know, you can just sneak in some reading time here and there, especially if you're at a house for a weekend with somebody's family or with your own family. There are definitely ways. And I think it's also a good way to just recharge
0: Go and spend some
1: time alone with your book, especially this is like for the Thanksgiving Christmases situations where people tend to get stressed out. Oh, yeah. Um, For parents out there, I was doing a lot of uh, research on uh, early childhood literacy. Um, You may not know this, but from birth to five, a child learns learns at a speed unmatched for the rest of his or her life. So early learning experiences like reading to a child is huge. It affects their success in school at work and life. This he is why keeps,
0: children freak me out so much. Yeah,
1: because they're learning so quickly. That's they insane. like see into your soul. They're before like the you. alien queen. And they're they're literally they're <sighs> learning to read your mind as you're talking to them. So parental involvement is the number one predictor of early literary success and future academic achievement. So I mean my parents read to me as a child. Mine did not.
0: <laughs> so I, don't despair if you don't have if you don't have literary parents. My my parents didn't read
1: to me. And but I think it is very important and very cool and a good way for you to get involved with books. Now I know with children a lot of times you're going to be reading the same book over and over again to them, but it's a great way to get them interested in books. Also taking your kids to the library. I worked at a library for a long time. It's a great way to go and have a family outing. You can get your books while the kids run around in the kids section. I did get taken to the library. Yeah. So I um, and the last tip I want to leave you with when you're trying to maybe get away from your non readerly family is uh, go get in the bathtub. No one's going to bug you in there. No one's
0: going to bug you in there. At least so, we hope. You might have one of those like really intense families. Yeah,
1: and they need to come talk to you while you're in the bathtub. Yes. Uh, if you do, we really want to hear about that. That sounds kind of incredible. But for me and getting away from the people that I love near and dear, I, sometimes you just want to go get in the bathtub. You just say, I need, I'm i going to take a nice hot bath, and you can bring your book in there, get some reading time in, do and some you're clean. Recharging. And you get to be clean at the same time. <laughs> I feel like we're... Not totally equipped to answer the family section
0: on this. So if you're a parent and you have excellent reading reading with kids or getting reading time in
1: with kids tips, send them to us at readingglassespodcast at gmail.com. Okay, but what about friends? What do we do if we have friends that do not read but we hang out with them all the time?
0: Yes. Yeah, so sometimes when you're when you're busy, you really want to hang out with your friend, you have a lot of stuff you want to get to. You know, you miss your friends, you wanna hang out with them. You but you, want you also to... miss your books. Hell yeah, you do. They're your <laughs> friends too, man. So you got we split listen to two things. If you've got reader friends, schedule a reading party. This sounds weird, but this is something actually me and Bria are doing with some of our friends here in LA pretty soon. We're just gonna schedule a reading party in a graveyard because that's kind of how me and Bria roll. <laughs> that's just
1: us. Uh, but you know, or schedule a picnic. Yeah, have it at the beach. Wherever you think that you want to invite people and tell people to bring whatever they're reading. Yeah, bring some cocktails, bring some snacks.
0: You know, if you are lucky enough to live in a place like us where you can go outside all the time or find someone with a big house or like maybe you all want to go to a bar together and get a big table and just all read something
1: yeah Sometimes exactly that's super nice and if so also if you live in Portland Oregon I know they're doing these things called silent reading parties oh, you can go yeah. to silent reading party and we don't live there but I think it's something we should promote you just go and you hang out with other people and you read silently which sounds like the best party of all time seriously that's and, like what I wish every single party was and it's a way to make friends I mean this Absolutely. is not, like this is a public event so anybody can show up you can bring friends and you can make friends and you can also just go and read by yourself and then leave <laughs> oh yeah
0: yeah, And also, if you have non-reader friends, picnics are great because you can, everyone comes and hangs out. You can read on a blanket while other people, I don't know what non-reader people do, play fucking Frisbee or something. Like, whatever Whatever you do that doesn't involve books. Like, you can You can schedule things. Even if you wanted to go to a bar and, you know, some people are playing darts, you're reading. Like, don't ever be shy. Again, the, the through line for all of these things is don't be shy with people in your life about how much you want to read. A lot of people are, uh, we constantly get people writing into this podcast saying, how do I get more readers? time I'm super busy sometimes you just have to make that time and don't be shy your friends love you sometimes it's just nice to it's like be a cat sometimes it's just like nice to be around the people that you care about even if you're not talking even if you're not doing the same activity so whether it's in a bar or on the beach or at a picnic whatever bring your book you know read for 30
1: minutes chit chat for a little while read some more I have a friend that um uh brings his book to read at Jumbo's Clown Room which oh, you just like just so you go no I just almost made Mallory do a spit take (laughs) just spit it back in (laughs) (laughs) Come! <laughs> <laughs> your friend brings this book to a strip club well let's be real it's a bikini bar oh jesus um, but it's a very and why am i not bar. married to this man who he, is this guy is, well should i say it's my friend okay um oh he, my god i love him he, uh, he one time i met up with him at jumbo's clown room and i, I why would you brings, be reading <laughs> he just look he likes the atmosphere but he also wants to read, so he. I have re- I have so much respect so nice. for this man. Look, there's a lot of places for you to read. You say you can't find time to read. What about when you go to your local bikini bar? <laughs> oh my <laughs> god,
0: that is the greatest thing I've ever heard in my entire life.
1: High five to Chioke! Oh my god, you fucking rule. That is the that is like that man is living life. <laughs> Oh, my God. Okay, so send us your tips on reading with other people in your life. What is it like to be a reader in a non-reader world? Send them to readingglassespodcast at gmail.com. Particularly focus on the family aspect. I feel like we are not totally equipped to answer. And the the bikini bar aspect. Yeah. (laughs) I want to hear more people who do this. Yeah, because we're not totally equipped to answer some of these. So let's say you're a working or non-working parent. Um, Yeah, we want to hear your parental reading tips. Yeah, we want to hear your parental reading
0: tips. So we're going to hear from a librarian about banned books after a quick break. I love forget me nots. I'm Jesse. I'm Jordan. And we've been doing Jordan Jesse Go for almost 10 years now. And it's not gotten any easier to describe, so we asked our fans to do it for us. Jordan Jesse Go is a weekly conversation with two best pals,
2: two hilarious friends, the hilarious smart kids, talking about hilarious stuff that happens to them, mostly really stupid stuff,
1: awkward anecdotes, insane tangents heartfelt stuff
2: it's like being thrown in the middle of a hilarious conversation between you and your best pals
0: it's a show that makes me laugh every week which is pretty rare and wonderful
2: might be the best thing
1: on the internet one of the funniest things you will hear
0: and it's the best part of my week and has kept me company for the past seven years through all sorts of life i love those guys that's Jordan Jesse Go, the comedy podcast that's been named Best of iTunes. Every Monday on MaximumFun.org or your favorite podcasting software.
1: I'll hug you and kiss you and love you. Love you. Love you. Love you. Love you. Now it's time for the segment, Ask a Book Professional. And I have a book professional here, Brazos Price. He is a librarian Librarian, in Georgia. That's me. (laughs) Hello. So I wanted to talk to you about book banning, book banning in libraries. I hear about it, but I don't know that much about it.
2: So libraries in general, especially, you know, all libraries, but public libraries is the area that I work in, deal with uh, challenges regularly. So that's when a member of the community has some sort of objection to material in the collection.
1: It's for any number of reasons, personal reasons, political reasons.
2: Absolutely, yeah. So it could be, you know, they object to the content, they object to the person who wrote it, they object to specific politics of the person. Mm -hmm. Absolutely, all those different things. Mm
0: -hmm.
2: What will happen is a person will usually let the library know that they object and they ask that the book be either removed or Reclassified, For example, like if a book is classified as a teen book, they might ask that it be moved into the adult collection mm, okay. so that, you know, it's not, uh, quote unquote, available for teens.
1: I gotcha. Okay.
2: Um, and so what they'll do is every library is different. Libraries are very federalist, I guess, in the sense that they're it's balconized between different communities. So every community treats these processes differently. But in general, the way that it works is the person will have to submit a written kind of reason about why they uh, object to the book. And then there is some process that governs what happens next. And usually that process involves committee of people in the library will sit down, discuss what the objection is, and everybody makes mistakes. So occasionally books will be classified incorrectly. Um, and if that's the case, they'll, you know, make the recommendation that the, what the patron asks for is followed Or they'll say the opposite. And then there's usually a opportunity for the patron to appeal and that sort of thing. So, again, it it all depends upon the specific organization, but that's generally how it works in most public libraries.
1: Can you tell me a story about one of those, like a situation like that, or is that too?
2: Yeah, I think I can. I can do that without probably talking about specific people. At one point, a person objected to the library carrying a magazine by a let's just say, a, a chef who had said some controversial things. Sure.
1: Okay, I'm following. Um, I'm totally following here. Okay.
2: And <laughs> so the library professionals sat down and talked about this, and ultimately what was suggested by that group was to actually keep the material because the public library's role in a community is not to make value judgments about the character of the person who Put some material of the material itself, and that's that's a controversial thing for many communities because horrible people write books.
1: Sure, and absolutely,
2: it's completely reasonable to not like a person and obviously want their books out, but the library has to take the broader view for the entire community.
1: I think that that is actually very good. Yeah. I think it's good, and we should have that kind of stuff available. Either way. Even Absolutely. Stuff we disagree with, it should be available for all of us to access.
2: Yeah, and printed speech, I think, is maybe slightly different than verbal speech in that regard, because something that's written can be consumed in, like, maybe asynchronously, and it has power, and it's it's important to be very cognizant of, like, when you take that away. You have to be very mindful of doing something like that, because it has an impact in society.
1: Mm-hmm. Awesome. Okay. Thank you for answering my question.
2: Absolutely. Thanks, book Great X. question. Pro- books, yeah. Book
1: professional?
0: Now we're going to solve a bookish problem from one of our listeners, Jessica Montgomery at Cats Cats Cats, great Twitter handle, says, my husband and I have a minor book disagreement. I think we should donate or give away books if we won't reread them. He thinks books are art, and we should keep them around for decoration. So this is a big dilemma one a lot of people can relate to, me in particular. This is basically my the entire history of all of my relationships, is trying to fit books into tiny apartments. Okay, Mallory, so what do you think they should do? So first off, my advice is twofold. Uh, first thing you should do is compromise. You just have to compromise. You can't keep them all. I'm with you. I know that's sad, but you got to keep some, give some away. But also, and this is a responsibility that I've taken on for myself, and I'm going to tell your husband that he needs to do it for for himself. <laughs> if he, if your husband wants to keep these books so freaking bad, and again, I can relate, he's going to be the one in, char- in charge of solving the storage
1: problem. Oh, okay. Okay, if he's really... He's got to be- go to the Ikea and get a...
0: That's so what I'm saying. you got to mm-hmm. get 5,000 little tiny screws that don't fit into your screwdrivers. Mm-hmm, You've mm-hmm. got to be in charge of solving the storage. Have him build a bookcase, buy a bookcase, and also, sorry, bro, you got to be in charge of cleaning and keeping them organized. If it's a priority for you to have them, it also needs to be a priority for you to keep them... Sightly and nice and organized and all in one place. Wow! So take responsibility, Mallory, laying down the law over there. Sorry, dude. I mean, I, I, I am a book hoarder. I have lots and lots of books. I'm in the process of moving right now, and me and my boyfriend <laughs> are trying to figure out the logistics of all of my books. And I get it. If if you love them, you, you want to have them. You don't want to give them away, but you also you can't you
1: can't be a crazy hoarder person. It's the opposite of the theory. If you love them, let them go. You're you're. If you love them. You keep all of them. You just keep them. Keep them. But but, you, but you've got to be
0: organized with them. You can't have a fire hazard. So Bria, what what's your what's your take on this? I mean,
1: look, all relationships are compromise. We all make compromises. This is why I have an entire nook in my house full of DVDs. But I am weird about collecting things and do not like having a lot of things in my house. It is actually horribly frightening to me. So you're the
0: opposite.
1: So so why me and Bria could never get married. So my yeah. So my my advice is. I think you should compromise which books you keep, which books you get rid of. And look, there are art books, which I think are an exception because the kind of coffee table book that you invest a lot of money in, it was like $100 and has a bunch of photos of some, I don't know, but somebody, that's an art book. That's kind of a different category of book. But books themselves, I think... You can choose a space that. This is a great idea. They go in. You have a bookshelf, and once you have too many books in that bookshelf, you got to figure out which books are going. Books getting voted off the island. Yeah, the books. Like you know, you got one space, and once you outgrow that space you got to figure out where they're going to go. Now, this could be a great couple thing you can do together, right? So let's say... Yeah, turn you, that controversy into a fun couple yeah, activity. fun couple activity. So you go, go through the, you know, you have, you know, five books that are no longer fitting in this shelf. I don't know. Something like that. You can think who you might want to give those to as gifts. You could go make a trip to donate them together. You, it could be somebody's birthday. What Maybe they love this book. I don't know. Regift gift that book. <laughs> who cares? What me and my boyfriend do
0: sometimes is we will, we save all the books that we don't want and we go and sell them at a used bookstore that takes them. Uh, this is also not great advice because normally we take that money that we can't we buy more books with them.
1: But <laughs> if you don't want to get more books, you can t- use that money and go out to dinner and have a nice romantic date. Yeah, exactly. I think definitely keep anything that has a sentimental value or a monetary value if it's a first edition. Like There's oh, no totally. reason to sell that unless you're you know late on your rent or something. But, uh, but otherwise, focus on the space and then I think that's a great compromise. And I also, I have one more little tip for this
0: and this is something that um, I used to do and I think is great is uh, some people I know have uh, a book basket. Either you get like a nice woven basket or a box or something that looks nice. You, you keep it by the, do- the door and you put those unwanted books in there. And friends and family that are
1: coming over, they can just take a book out of the basket. Uh, I've read about this. This feels like such a Pinterest idea. It's so pinterest I would pin and think, I'm gonna do it. And then I don't do it.
0: It actually, it's really nice, especially if you like, get, you know, get a basket that you can put like underneath the... The end table, or in a mudroom, if you were rich enough to live in a space with a oh, mudroom. Mudroom.
1: I I like the idea of putting it by the front door too, though, because you know, take a, it's like take a penny, leave a penny. You know, you can have people leave books. If you have people over all the time, which I do, mm-hmm. have people coming into my house quite a bit, you, it'd be a great way to get rid of some of your books.
0: Yeah, and maybe your husband will feel better knowing the books that he's giving away are going to his friends, that instead is, of just like to strangers or to a bookstore or to wherever. Maybe he'll feel better about parting with them, knowing that they're going to a good home. That always makes me feel better because uh, i look at books like they're you know actual people and i get very emotionally <laughs> attached to them so this how actually helps me a lot too i when i did my cross-country move i gave up a lot a lot of books because it was very expensive to get books from brooklyn to la and i felt a lot better knowing that my best friends were taking a lot of my books
1: it's like they're like your like your kids or your dogs or something or your yeah It's like having a hundred little dogs running around your hundred weird little papery
0: dogs that you have to (laughs) dust all the time. So uh, send your reader problems to us at ReadingGPodcast on Twitter or email them to us at ReadingGlassesPodcast at gmail.com. And we'll happily give out some page advice to you.
1: (laughs) (laughs) So we're going to leave you with this episode's book connection, a way to connect with other readers online. We want you to take a picture of you reading with your friend and partner or partner or family or kids or... There's like some stranger on the train who's like sitting next to you and you think like this is kind of like co-reading. I don't know. But, it, no, if that, but also it's great because if that guy starts to sexually harass you, you can hit him with a book. And also you have a photo of him to take to the police. It's a great twofold, twofold solution. Right? <laughs> so we want to see these photos. Show off all of the places that you are reading with other people. Tweet them or Instagram them with the hashtag reading in the real world. Hashtag reading in the real world. This is our, week, our hashtag for the week. So, you can
0: email us at readingglassespodcast at gmail.com. You can tweet us at readinggpodcast. You can Instagram us at readingglassespodcast. And you can always follow along on our bookish adventures on either social media using the general hashtag readingglasses. Thanks for listening and, and thanks, thanks for reading.
1: For reading. <laughs> We're very bad at the outro.
2: Maximumfun.org.
0: Comedy and culture. Artist owned.
2: Listener supported.